Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by George at Asda, who hosted an incredible event called Phenomenal. And they've recently launched their Phenomenal campaign, which celebrates femininity. And it's breaking the stereotype of what it means to be feminine and redefining it for ourselves. On the day of the festival, we were both wearing Georgia Asda and I think we looked pretty cool. Actually, really very cool. cool. Really cool. I felt good. Yeah, I me felt, too. Uh, I lo- that dress got so many compliments. Same. I felt phenomenal. Hey, see what you did. Oh, <laughs> I am my dad. Um, <laughs> George really does have some amazing pieces, like really good. And I had a hard time choosing what I was going to wear on the day. And what I love about the website as well is the um, the diversity of the models who who display the clothes because actually like it's really not that common it's, no it's, they have different heights like they have different like the yeah. when, when we were shopping you can see like the dresses on a small like petite person and then somebody who's taller and curvier and it's like this is so helpful even yeah. to get a gauge of like how long the dress is going to be for example totally like, love it and size inclusive so if you'd like to check out any of their clothing you can go online at george.com Oh my God, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do. Should I delete that? Yeah, you should definitely delete that. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. uh, Hello. I see you there with your peloton behind you. Thank you so much for noticing. Let's kick this off. Uh, Welcome to the Should I Delete That podcast. This is my good for the week. The good. The bad. And the awkward. Behind me, you know what, Alex? I'm gonna get on it, guys. I got a Peloton and it arrived this morning. I didn't even do that. I'm gonna sit on it. I'm gonna sit on it right now. <laughs> I love that, like, it, it takes up half of your camera. <laughs> oh my god, it, it takes up half of this room. You're not being this subtle kit. about the fact that you've got a Peloton. It is your drum kit. Oh god. Um, <laughs> I'm absolutely delighted. I, I can't honestly let's like let's just barrel through this and then we I can set it up and then I can just become a Peloton wanker and live the life of my dreams. I am jealous of you. I love spinning so much. I am really jealous. It's really cool. So I'm just, I'm, I'm a bit devastated at myself that I'm so late. Like, you know, apparently the Peloton business is in trouble. Apparently, like, no one's buying them anymore. Like, oh, really? I, I've heard rumours of, like, a late surge from me. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think it's cool anymore. But that's kind of when I like to get in on a trend. Like, when we're right, right at the bottom. Love it. Um, love it. I know. I'm abs- I'm, honestly, I'm dashed. And it's arrived. We're recording on St. Patrick's Day which obviously for Alex is a uh, 
Uh, not not you, Alex. My Alex. Boy, Alex. National national holiday. So I think I'm going to call the bike Paddy. Love it. Love it. And I'm going to spend the day riding him, which is Irish colloquial <laughs> slang for shagging. I, I, I feel like it's everywhere colloquial slang for shagging. Is it? Yeah. Know, they, they, yeah, they always like, they have it a ride. Anyway, so that's my life. It's going to be good. Um, Love it. Love it. How are you? What's your good, good, please? I've had to pivot. Because mm. my good has turned into my bad, which I will oh, no. get to. Um, so, yeah, which and kind of it didn't transpire really until this morning. So I've done something so spontaneous, which, as you know, is not like me at all. So Dave is going to New York with work. And I was Baller. just, I know, pretty cool, right? And I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to go with him. Fuck it. Oh my god! I am when? gonna go with him when? in the in the first week of April. Oh my god! I know. You're gonna you know be what? in New York. I know because I was like, this is the beauty of like we're child free, <laughs> apart from Betty who has a brilliant dog sitter who and she literally loves being there more than she loves being with us. So I was yeah. like, why not? I'm just gonna go and flights are like reasonable and I just stay in the hotel room with him. So I was like, I'm just gonna go. So I'm gonna go and I'm going to basically just, I don't know, like mill around like obviously he'll be in the office so I'm going to just go from like cafe to cafe and like I know and maybe wander a bit um oh my god and I actually don't know anyone at all in New York which is quite sad because I've got no one to meet up with (laughs) (laughs) so if anyone listening is from New York and you want to meet I'm I'm there so that's quite exciting for me to do something so spontaneous yeah oh my god I can't believe you're going to New York I know but for me who's a super planned person and everything is quite you know I'm I'm not like, I'm not spontaneous I'm a creature of habit quite cool right I, I feel yeah. I feel alive <laughs> oh what a hoot what a hoot you know. ran a marathon there no. <laughs> of course you have of course you have <laughs> what's your what's your bad oh oh let's talk about my bad which I've already talked about this on Instagram this just I'm a fucking toddler in an adult's body and I went for a little <laughs> run on Tuesday morning and I was like oh my god I was really feeling my oats and and I was jogging and I tell you what I was listening to I was listening to a fucking banger uh, Amy Studd sang a song called Misfit okay and it's like she sings at the beginning and it's basically all about like being like the cool girl and it's like she's singing about like the hot girl at school and she's like so like you think you got it all worked out you got your hot pants on you got your ass right out and I was like jogging and I literally was like swish 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 like just fucking vibing myself and then out of nowhere my other foot just tripped me up like the fucking audacity of that and I flew I launched myself into the pavement I went up and then I went down and it was knees, then it was shoulder, then it was face, and I just lay there. Oh my god! <laughs> my, like having eaten shit, like hit the deck so hard, just lying there, laughing like a deranged person. Oh my god. And you want to know the saddest thing? This happened outside the tube station. It was eight a.m. The sun was shining. It was a beautiful day, and not one fucking bastard stopped to ask if I was Unbelievable. okay. Unbelievable favorite thing about living in london i was like literally there was a woman crying and she just walked over me (laughs) she didn't even stop i was like get it bitch like have a good day i love london so much we're so ruthless um so i just picked myself up and just sat on the bench and i've got stupid 
stupid bleeding hands and a, and a stupid stupid bleeding shoulder <laughs> and a stupid stupid grazed knees like a stupid fucking child oh my god honestly and then I was such a like like limp home and it's just it's so sad I mean, it's so, so sad so so sad it's just pathetic like my, my yeah. little silly little knees are all just great <laughs> <laughs> Um, we oh, need so somehow we need somehow to get the footage of that well I know so since then my Instagram's just been gas like people have just been sending in videos of themselves on their ring cameras and like various CCTVs just falling I've rewatched them like 17 times I know They're so, so I might save them as a highlight so good but I'm going to go back to the scene of the crime and either because it was by the cemetery i don't know why a cemetery would have a cctv but i'm gonna investigate but then also there were lots of houses so i'm thinking one of those i said it's a nice part of town these people are fancy you know what i mean they've got ring cameras so i'm gonna go and ask any of them if they in the background of them leaving the house for work it's just me (laughs) launching myself at the base Every time I think about it, I laugh. I think a ring camera is your best bet because if you go to the police, be like, "Please, can I have the CCT footage from the cemetery?" They'll be like, "Why?" Because I fell over and I want to put it on my Instagram. I want to show everyone. (laughs) (laughs) They might not be that willing to help, so I think ring ring is your best bet. Yeah, hundred percent. There's something. I mean, adults do fall over so hard. Like people kept DMing me being, being like, don't worry, like my kid falls over all the time. I'm like, yeah, of course your kid falls over all the time. <laughs> like, of course that happens. I'm a fucking adult, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's so embarrassing. But it's been the most unifying and fantastic thing. You know, saying like, I fell. And then all my followers are like, oh my God, I ate shit here. I did this. I, I, dropped my, I was dropping my kid off at school and I fell. And I'm like, yes. You know, the amount of people that have fallen over at train stations brings me immense joy. Because I think inherently we compare ourselves. We've talked about this so much, you and I. Inherently we compare ourselves so much to other people and we always compare up. We always put ourselves on the bottom. And it's so fucking unifying to know that all over the place, humans are just going down. (laughs) We're all fucking disasters. Why do we find falling over the most embarrassing thing in the world? Why is it so embarrassing? (laughs) Because it's so unplanned. Like, you're up, you're up, you're down. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh my God, when I was... I remember when I was I was 15 and I I got a boyfriend my first boyfriend and you know what it's like when you're 15 it's painful yeah. like we'd never like painful. I think we'd like kind of kiss but it was still extremely awkward we we didn't talk to each other just kind of like sat inside it was one of those you know yeah. like yeah. so awkward. oh my god I went out so with a guy when I was 13 over email I didn't even think I hung yeah. out with him I've got a boyfriend <laughs> I think I hung out once and that's when he dumped me um, anyway. <laughs> and then we were we were in we were in town and it was just and it was yeah we, we were holding hands which was a huge deal but so awkward like still hadn't like y- you know I think the most I'd said to him was like have you got any siblings and because <laughs> yeah, I've got four <laughs> yeah and then I <laughs> tripped and because we were holding hands, the whole thing just descended and he came down with me. And I'm, I'm not kidding you when I say we didn't talk about it. We got straight back up. We didn't talk about it. We just, we carried on. We carried on with the day and we never spoke to each other ever again after that day. <laughs> Horrendous. Horrendous. Oh my God. But it was one 
those things where like, do you know, I couldn't even like, I mean, obviously I was 15 and painfully awkward. Like I couldn't even see the funny in it. I was just so mortified. Like I was like ashamed. I got oh home God. and I cried. I was like, and yeah, we my- never, um, yeah, we, we never got in my- touch again. This is so mean to put my mum on blast, but she reminded me last night. She rang me. She's like, oh, darling, you fell over. I was like, yes. But she was like, I think we have like a pathological problem in our family. I know we do. Like uh, this, someone pointed out to me on my Instagram, it's karma. Like I have a problem. Like I don't instinctively, when somebody gets hurt, I laugh. And and it's it's something wrong with me fundamentally at a core level. And I I don't actually want to get into it, but (laughs) who I am. And I realised, like, and it's obviously something in me and my siblings, because my brother and sister and I were walking with my mum and my cousins, and my mum, within her little high heels, you know, she's, she's tiny, and she was like, um, guys, do you want to get a cab to the church? And we were like, no, it's a gorgeous day, let's walk. So we were all walking, and my mum was behind us, and me and my brother and my sister were in a line, out of fucking nowhere, this, like oh an aeroplane. With her arms and we were going down a hill, and she started tripping, and she was like going down, but like with her arms out, tripping, and she came straight through us. And there was a woman with a buggy, and she tried to grab the buggy. <laughs> she tried to grab the oh buggy, my- like to stabilize herself, and the woman was like, "Cut off my tail!" <laughs> Get off my baby! <laughs> that woman was like pushing the buggy away, so Mum just kept going down. Like the buggy was gone, and eventually, inevitably, tumbled. Like literally, dong 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 dong, tumble. And she was just this like little heap on the floor, and she just looked up and she was like, "I told you I wanted to get a cab." <laughs> You're and poor, me you okay and they rushed and I just like looked around and I was like there's something really wrong with us yeah, like, not right. my mum's like 60 and she's like in a ball of oh. my brother and sister can't even cope for laughing and my cousins are looking at us like there's something fucking wrong with you anyway so I deserve to go down I deserve to go down time and time again yeah you do the way that I treat very, the people that I love. Very quick story that I can't help telling that, that reminded me of. Um, we are not the, out, my, me and my family, not outdoorsy types at all. Like my dad <laughs> probably would want to be. We are not. Like we, we actually grew up in the middle of the no, of nowhere, but we it, like never left the house. Like there was a woods across the, the road from us and I didn't even know until like Dave came back. <laughs> Dave came to our house. He's like, oh my God, we should go for a walk in the woods. I was like, what woods? Literally across the road. <laughs> And the beach and the beach was by us as well. But hey, anyway, in an attempt to sort of, I don't know, like make us get outside, dad was like, we're going to go climb this little mountain in Wales. And so we went and my mum, like my mum had these Prada loafers that she was so proud of and that she wore all the fucking time, like slip on Prada loafers that she just loved. And so we went up this mountain and it was snowing 
and well, obviously, well, yeah, it was it was it was snow. There's snow everywhere, and my mum wore her Prada loafers, and um, <laughs> it, it was. You make a lot of sense to me now. I do, that. don't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we kind of got like a few steps up, and mum slipped, and then the the which was funny in itself. Like already at that point, like me and my sisters were like crying, laughing. But the the worst part was she she couldn't get up. She just couldn't get up. Every time she tried to get up, she like just went straight back down again. And people, there were like, there was a queue forming behind. And they were like, it's okay, we'll wait. And my mum was like, no, go, go. Because <laughs> literally every Don't time she got up. me. Yeah. And I was like, I think we all like genuinely like, it's like actually wet. It was the, just the, the, like the best thing. And my dad was like, well, this serves you right in your bloody Prada loafers. Like, <laughs> as he did his like hiking boots going up to the top. That's, that's, my, uh, that's, yeah. The best day of my life still was Halloween 2016 because Alex came out the shower and in our old flat, the bathroom was on a different floor to the kitchen. There was no towel. So we ran, <laughs> tried to do the kind of like, dung, dung, like, oh, we need to get a towel so we're soaking wet. <laughs> and he slid on the top step. Oh, and God. he fell oh. naked. Oh, down. no. Oh, no. And I think instinctively he had to like you know grab his his bobbies. Um, so he, he he was like as he was going he was like whoa. Uh, oh, and honestly, I, every time I'm sad, I just think of that. It's a, honestly, it's it. the best day of my life. I, I have something wrong with that me. Is, I, that is very funny though. And it's yeah, funny someone doesn't actually hurt themselves. It's very funny. Oh my god! Even if people do hurt themselves. I have a problem. <laughs> so um, my bad, which was going to be my good, but is now actually my bad, is oh, no. that basically I keep seeing people with tortoiseshell nails on Instagram. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. I want it myself. So I've done loads of research for like, where can I go and get it done? Anyway, I found a place um, and I was like, do you know what? While I'm getting tortoiseshell nails, I might as well get like acrylic, not acrylics, they're called like hard gels, but they're extensions. So I booked an appointment. I was so excited and I was going to be like, it's my good for this week. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Well, you can see them now. Like obviously you guys can't see them. I mean, this is is the wrong channel to be saying, look at my nails, isn't it? Um, podcast but um, they're horrendous they're absolutely horrendous they do look (laughs) quite cool but I can't do anything I can't type my messages have been incoherent today they're they're incomprehensible can't type for the life of me I can vouch for that if your period arrives you're in trouble why I don't know. You can get nails on. You go tampon. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even mm. think about that. Because I always wonder how people with the really long ones wipe their bottoms. Well, I was worried about picking up the dog shit today, but it was it was fine. Didn't get it on my hands <laughs> this time. <laughs> Maybe there's something to be said for the nails. So, and I'm really annoyed because they actually cost me an obscene amount of money. And to, to be fair, they do look really cool, but they I just I can't I can't function. And I'm not a good person with functioning when it's not good when I'm not comfortable. I'm finding it very difficult. So I'm stressed, and I'm like, help! I've got these like talons, and I don't like it. I just want my normal nails also, back. How long did they? T- <laughs> like three and a half it. hours, <laughs> which is like. Because it's not even like, oh, it was a nice time because I got to chill out. I didn't because I was anxious the whole time because I was like, I'm late for something. Like, it shouldn't be taking this long. Anyway, so... We've learned a lesson. It became my bad. (laughs) 
don't get gels no they do they do they do look nice but like i'm really pleased you've talked me out of it i'm pleased you show me the reality because i might have just had an insta moment of being like oh my god they look great and then i'd have gone no no just get your normal i'll keep keep these pathetic little stubbies yeah there is something to be said for a nice short nail it's practical practical your dad would be dead proud of you that is not prada loafer attitude i'm telling you it's not that's how i can do attitude that is isn't it yeah yeah i'm wearing a pair of Prada loafers and I want I want to take them off and you can't get back up again and I can't get back up again <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go to the nail salon and ask them to file them down for me anyway awkward That's we sad. have a joint awkward we have a joint awkward it happened last night I'm actually I'm actually mortified for us on so many yeah, levels it's... the awkward thing alone could be the fact that we went out for dinner last night at 5 15 it was a road it was time it was early yeah. dinner and <laughs> yeah I mean it was delicious but yeah that's not the awkward in and of, in and of itself, but it is relevant because we got there at 5.15. I got yeah. there at 5.15. Someone was having a nails done for three and a half hours. So you were late, I which was, was fine. <laughs> but we only had the table for 90 minutes. Anyway, they asked us to leave a lot. A lot. They were like, any, any dessert? Can we bring you the bill? Can you pay the bill? <laughs> they were very polite, but we they were quite... We do need the table. We do need the table. Yeah. yeah. We, we're really pleased you've had a nice time, but please get the fuck out of our restaurant. Yeah. They, they, it turned from like politely ushering us out to being like, can you actually just leave now? Yeah. So, but we had only just finished. Like we hadn't outstayed our welcome. I don't really think potentially. Well, we maybe, had, but... Maybe a little bit. But um, anyway. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we were being ushered. We were feeling the yeah. pressure. Um, and we were with Gemma, Gemma Stars as well, who you should follow. She's really cool. So the waitress, I think the last uh, interaction we had with her, she was like, um, okay, like coming up, I think she was like, it's 20 past seven, need the table at 7.30, fine, whatever. We're like, okay, all right, okay, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're going. And then we, I don't know who got the tap on their shoulder. Maybe it was both of us. Well, my bag, my, oh, this is so me, fuck's sake, I'm such a mess. My my bag had fallen off the bench and, and it, it was all over the floor. Like I had like tampons yeah. and headphones and poo bags all over the floor. So I was like lying across the bench with my arm underneath the yeah. um, table, trying to gather all my fucking shit up. And I've really got some shit in my handbag. I was like, oh God, this is just so embarrassing. And I was trying to get my shit and you were putting your coat on. And then this girl came up to the table and was like, just before you go, and we both turned round and we were like, we're going, we're going. Like, as fast as we can, we're leaving. And this girl was like, no, no, I just want to say I love the podcast. I love oh the podcast. And we were like, oh, God, oh, oh God. Because it happened, like, it actually, so much went through my head because with a tap on my arm, I turned around and I was like, we're leaving, we're leaving, we're leaving. Because I was like, come on, you've told us a million, we are leaving. It's not my, yeah. it's not 7.30 yet. Give me a break. So I was like, we're leaving. And then she said, just before you leave. And I went, oh my God, did I, did my card not go through? I thought like, I thought my card had got declined or something, like just before you leave. And then she, and then she was like, oh no, I love your podcast. I was like, oh my God, she isn't even the waitress. Like, oh, I'm just like, like we're leaving. Oh, did my card not work? And then I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. Thank <laughs> Such you. a gear change. We're fucking going. Oh my God, have I got no money? Oh my God, thanks. Just. Tell me you're anxious without telling me you're anxious. Oh my God, I know, I know. Also, I feel like you, ha- God, I make it sound like such wankers, like you handle that really well when people say that, but I don't, I'm like a flustering bumber, like, 
bumbling mess. I'm like, oh God, thank you. Like, where are you from? Like, I just don't know what to say. I'm like, also, why? Why? I'm always so shocked when people like the podcast. I'm like, oh my God, really? <laughs> Do you? Wow. Oh, why? Tell me exactly why. Actually, oh, quick shout out to, the, to a girl on the tube. I sat next to her on the tube and then she tapped me on the shoulder. And again, I was like, what? Like what? Is my, head, is, my, is my headphone too loud? Like what? Um, and she was like, uh, oh, I just wanted to say I love the podcast. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. Like, do you have any dogs? Like, this oh. Is, <laughs> this is what I've been telling you for ages because I leave the house all the time. So it happens to me quite a lot. And yeah, I, I don't leave the like, house. Comment. I know people are like, oh my God, I'm listening to the podcast. And I'm like, oh my God. And it's like, I still die every time. And I always tell you. And you're like, why does no one tell me that? And I'm like, because you don't leave the house. Like go out into the world. These people are here. <laughs> <sighs> anyway interview uh, yeah oh my god guys can i can i can i can i be really lame and just as, as go we introduce on this? please so today's interview this is the second part of the george asda phenomenal festival that we were part of uh, for international women's day we did two live interviews that day the first one was last week's episode with candice brathwaite and this episode means so much to me like i know we touch on it in the episode but i'm just going to be really lame and tell you how much this guest means to me when i first started like being <laughs> me um, like when I first like got online and started writing and and like trying to build a career um I was completely obsessed with Bryony like completely obsessed with Bryony Gordon I I've loved her column for ages and she wrote her first book The Wrong Knickers and I was just such a fangirl and I ended up uh she agreed to meet me um to like give me career advice and I ne- like it was still like it was such a terrifying day for me because I was so obsessed with this woman and she she said she'd meet me and and I went to the telegraph offices and I was like 20 and I was like oh my god that's so and nice was, of her I so so nice of her and you know that just epitomizes Bryony to be honest she's got the yeah. biggest heart she's the most supportive and gorgeous and wonderful human being and I've always just had so much respect for her and I never got over that and I and I always want to be able to be that for other people now but she was so it was such a special thing for to me that she did that and I've just respected and admired her and forever since well since long before anyway and we've become friends which I feel very grateful for but I just love her so much and I just think what she does is so important and the steps that she's made or the changes that she's made by being who she is and by being so vulnerable and by opening up about her mental health if you don't know Bryony she's a telegraph journalist and an author um and she's written so many books but she's spoken so openly about addiction about alcoholism about her life with ocd um she's done so much in the mental health space basically to whether she meant to or not but to destigmatize mental health and i just think she needs to be so proud of what she does and i'm so proud to know her and i'm so gassed that she's here and wasn't like i I was a bit of a fangirl, wasn't I? It was a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were, but it was really nice. Like you can tell that you guys had like a genuine connection. Yeah. And I, yeah, she was she was really brilliant. I really like it was um like her books are amazing. Like they are amazing. So so good. She's just a brilliant she is a brilliant writer. Like she's she's being. the writer I want to grow up to be, for sure. Yeah. Let's get Bryony up. Here please. you go. Without further ado, Bryony Gordon. <laughs> Goodbye, 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 goodbye. 
hi everyone thank you so much for coming and Bryony thank you so much for being here I'm gonna start this by being really uncool this is actually really you uncool. can't be uncool around me <laughs> I'm not gonna she look, can yeah, watch, watch me try um, if, if you don't know who Bryony is she's a journalist and she's so brilliant she writes for the Telegraph but you've also written a number of amazing books over the years and I remember reading her first book and being like I need to be this chick's friend. Like, she's so cool. And, like, fast forward, like, now, finally, I got it. We're friends. But, um, and I'm so excited to do this interview. It's a really full circle moment for me because I said this to Alex, my fiancé, Alex, this morning. I was like, this is probably the coolest day of my career because I get to interview someone I admire so much. You interviewed Prince Harry for a really big interview a couple of years ago. This is my Prince Harry, basically. Sorry. You're my Prince <laughs> Harry. So that's, I'm just going to take that compliment because because I'd be, be like, oh my god, you really picked me up. But yes, I am like Prince Harry yeah. in many ways. <laughs> Can I just say it's so nice to see? Because I remember meeting for a coffee with you like six or seven, years, like and just chatting, and it's really nice to see. It's just so nice. I just I, I get so excited about this kind of a phenomenal. Sorry, I didn't even plan that <laughs> sort of like generation of of young women who because when I wrote that book The Wrong Knickers like I was shamed in the press about it the Daily Mail being like because this woman got no shame and I'm like I have so much shame that's why I wrote this book but it's so good that now it's just it's so you know it, I just I get so excited for my daughter Mm. but also it is it is really exciting and that book like the wrong knickers and then what you've done afterwards I mean it, the, it's such a good book like it's su- I feel like it's such a coming of age like and I and but what you've done subsequently has been so cool because Bryony wrote the, this this book and I guess this is our first question really because you wrote the wrong knickers and it was like crazy it was this book about your 20s and they were mad and they were fun and terribly I was looking at it being like this woman's life just it's so fun this is what I imagine London and journalism to be but then a couple of years later you brought out another book called Mad Girl Mm -hmm. and it kind of told the same story of your life but from a very different perspective and that was uh with 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 mental health and with addiction and with sort of all the things I guess they were there in the first book but you hadn't labeled it you hadn't you know I don't so the um, the wrong knickers came out in 2014 and I felt kind of safe to write a book about my crazy 20s because I I wrote it after my daughter was born and I thought, oh, I'm in this kind of safe place now. Because I had very much that, like, very um, old-fashioned, terrible, horrible view that once I had a kid and I got married, like, all my mental health issues would just disappear. And that wasn't the case. And I, and I sort of... But I also couldn't talk about it. I couldn't talk about what was actually behind all this chaos, which was... Um, I mean, I didn't even know at the time I was an alcoholic. You know, that came much later after I bought Mad Girl out. But it was this experience with obsessive compulsive disorder since I was very young, a young, you know, young age in the early 90s. And, you know, I heard so often about people talking about OCD and they'd be like, oh, I'm a little bit OCD. And I'd be like, and then they'd say, oh, you should see my sock drawer. I'd be like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have a sock drawer. Do you know what I mean? Like, my husband always jokes. He's like, I wish you had the good type of OCD. There's no good type of OCD. But I was, it really came up for me after my daughter was born and after that book came out and I had a complete breakdown with the OCD. And um, I have a type of OCD called Pure O, which in, which re- involves intrusive thoughts. So I always describe OCD as 
your brain refusing to acknowledge what your eye can see. So be it that your hands are clean or that the oven is off. Um, and puro revolves around thoughts. So like we've all had that thought, what if someone like handed me their baby and I just threw it on the floor? I hope we've all had that thought and it's yeah. not just me. <laughs> but like someone with pure O will be so distressed by the thought that they will ruminate on it to check they're not the thought. And so I had a type of OCD that made me think I might be a serial killing pedophile, which funnily enough, you don't bring... You know, it's not like the sock drawer type, do you know what I mean? And I'm not a serial killing pedophile, but I would say that. It's, <laughs> I can even sit here and joke about that now. It's amazing. But anyway, I had this complete breakdown and my brain started to tell me that I, you know, that I might have done something terrible to my own child and blanked it out in horror. And I knew then I had to write about it. So that was where Malga came out. It was like, if you also have this type of OCD, please tell me, let me know, because I'll know I'm, I'm not mad. Or I am mad, and that's okay, but I'm not bad. And that spun out into this whole different, like, yeah, like mental health place. That book came out in 2016, and it's led to, like, so many things, like interviewing Prince Harry... But also to me realizing I was an alcoholic and I needed to get sober. And, you know, it's, it really did change my life, which sounds mm. because I met my people, you know. Yeah. You know, that hedonistic chaos of your 20s. Was that, do you think, an attempt to kind of stifle your mental health issues, to, to bury them a little bit? Totally. Like, I think when I, I, I had no self-esteem, I had no, I had no sense of who I was, I was tormented yeah. by these intrusive thoughts. And, you know, so alcohol and drugs for me were, you know, it was like putting on a sparkly dress and I could pretend yeah. for a bit that that was not what was going on. Mm. But of course, the next day it would all come back and it would be, you know, 10 times worse. But it didn't, the next day, I was in so much kind of pain and high anxiety that the next day wasn't, I couldn't even consider the next day. Like all I cared about was now. Yeah. And so... So yeah, the chaos, but also, and this is very common in people that have addiction issues, is that like I, you know, I remember when I washed up, washed up in rehab and the chief counsel, and I was lucky to be able to go to rehab, you know, and the chief counsel was like, you've literally turned your alcoholism into a career. And if I read yeah. the wrong knickers back, I, yeah. I, I go, oh, I can't believe I wrote that. I can't believe I thought that was fun. You know, like, is it, you know, knowing what I know now about why, where it came from and how, sad I was for a lot of that time you know I don't know how you have the time honestly but you write so many books and it's like you've documented each chapter of your own life which is an extraordinary thing to do and I wonder because you've you after you did Mad Girl you also wrote Glorious Rock Bottom and I wonder if if your experience with writing Mad Girl and writing it's like um it's like you're writing your life in a way and I suppose do, do you think that that they informed your own realization, you know, getting it all down. I guess it's like mass journaling, yeah. writing your yeah, 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 yeah. like whoa, like, and you're really confronted with it. Do you yeah. think that led to it? I think that for me, a lot of the writing is was out of it. Didn't like pe lots of people come up to me and they're like, oh, thank you, that book helped me so much. But what helped me is like having it down and people reading it and people identifying with it. And also, mm. what what is behind everything I do is that I. You know, I always say this, that all the thing, all mental illness and all mental health issues have in common from sort of anxiety through to psychosis and beyond is that they lie to you. You know, it works by isolating you and by telling you you're alone and telling you that you're a freak. And that's just not true. And for me, writing this down was very much a way of 
you know, finding other people like me. And it was kind of the only, weirdly, it was, because that was my, you know, my, I was, you know, a trained journalist and a newspaper, so I was doing, so it all started with me writing a column about my OCD. And the, the response was unbelievable. And it was like, I'm not a freak, you know, I am not... And that was really the start of my recovery. And I think that really is the start of recovery from, from all people. I, I always remember hearing a quote, which was that shame dies when you expose it to the light. And it's so true. You know, when you get it out there and no one runs away screaming, do you know what I mean? Or calling the police. And you're like, oh, it's going to be okay. Because our stuff wants us in our heads. So for me, writing it down was... It's kind of the only thing I know how to do as well is write. Like, I don't have any other skill set <laughs> at all. Can't, like, no, I can't drive. I can't, I can't do anything useful. But, right, and people are like, oh, if there was an apocalypse, what would you do? And I'm like, tweet about it. You know, like, I don't have any other skill set. Like, it's always been what I've done since I was little, I guess. Yeah, it's... It's, but I definitely feel I've reached the end of writing about myself because my life is so... I mean, apart from being here now with all of you guys today, which is, like, the most exciting thing that's happened in two years. Like, it's the, <laughs> probably the first time I've been in a room of people I haven't, like, given birth to or been married to. <laughs> but my life is really quite boring, which is great. I love that it's boring. Yeah. So, But I, I think I've done as much as I can on that front. And that's, that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. I really, I really love what you were saying there about shame not being able to exist in the light. And that's something I think about a lot because I think we are so unaware of that, aren't we? When we're, when we're shrouded in our own shame, we're so unaware that actually there's a really sim simple, I'm not trying to minimize it or, or, you know, be reductive, but like releasing it is just so powerful, isn't it? And yeah, I, re I really like that because it, it just, it's, it's something that really resonates with me. I think we spend so much of our lives feeling shame around things. And feeling other. Yeah, and feeling right. like, oh, I'm the worst, I'm the only person that's done this. Do you know, I, I was listening, there's an amazing woman called Tara Brack who's like very, it's, she's a sort of uh, meditative, and I'm not very good at meditating. I can't even say the word, right? <laughs> but she talks about, I was listening to some, a podcast she did and um, she was talking about how there's a reason that we other ourselves and we feel shame and it's actually an evolutionary thing. So when we first came to be on the, you know, the plains of Africa, it was actually useful to isolate ourselves because if we, you know, we needed to keep ourselves separate from a, like, a rival tribe who might kill us or a tiger no there are no tigers in africa <laughs> that a lion do you know what i mean but um and but that isn't useful to us of course now and so our, we've evolved from i to we so if you think of illness i wellness we and so uh, sometimes i just reminding myself that that response in my brain of i'm a freak da, 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 is actually just like a limbic response that yeah. is so much bigger than me or any of us in this room generally it goes back mm thousands and thousands of years and I find that kind of oddly comforting and right-sizing yeah. you know and I think that's so, sorry um, something that's been incredible about social media as well is realizing that there are people out there who are just like you yeah. you know you're no, unlikely not, to be the first to have felt this no and this has been and you know it's so interesting because when I hear so often people say well do you think there's an epidemic you know it's a new epidemic of mental health issues I'm like no, mental health, you know, the, the, the issues and the circumstances surrounding it has obviously changed, but we just didn't talk about it. You know, suicide was illegal until 1961. You know, it was such, it was, it was such a shameful thing. That. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how they... 
police that. Police that. Gonna say, yeah. But it was, you know, it was, and and that's why there's a kind of drive to remove the word committed. So we talk mm. about dying by suicide because, mm. it, you know, it's not a crime. But mm. you know, we had such. It's only really relatively recently in history that we have any sort of awareness of that. You know, all I always think mental illness is like a, your brain's skewed way of trying to like help you cope with life and um, mm. you know when we we accept that other organs in our body will go wrong so why can't we accept that our brains will yeah you talked about sharing particularly like having about having ocd you wrote about it in the telegraph and you haven't shied away from discussing your own mental health addiction others mental health like it's it's something that you do so valiantly but the telegraph is quite a conservative paper and you know it's read by a certain demographic and they might be the ones who have well, it's not just them. There's so many people in this world who, who have such a limited view of mental health. And I wonder what the stigma's been like for you. Like, have you come up against, you know, not, not necessarily like this is sort of societal people being like, oh, it's an epidemic, but more personally. It's interesting. That's why I love that The Telegraph allowed, have always allowed me to write that yeah. because it's, it's so needed. And in fact, that was, interestingly, that was kind of one of the reasons when I asked Prince Harry to do the podcast with me back in 2017. And, and you know, he was like, one of the reasons is we were talk, he was talking to an audience that perhaps need to hear it. Yeah. And like, and but it's interesting because I think this stuff is, I think stigma in mental health exists everywhere and through all demographics and all age, you know, I mean, it's particularly bad in certain areas but what was so fascinating is when I wrote about it in the Telegraph for the first time was that there was like women in that there was a 74 year old woman who wrote to me and said I this is I've had this my whole life and I've never heard anyone talk about it and that broke my heart you know so it's it it affects everyone so the stigma I don't you know I get the odd person being like me 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 shut up about your like you get an Amazon review which is like this book's all about her I'm like yes <laughs> Yes, look at the name. What, of the what were you expecting? You know, hello, yeah. and but that, that's their shit, not mine. You know. Yeah. yeah, I love I love when people say that. It makes me so happy. Yeah, recognize would yeah. your shit. This is not. Yeah, my shit. would give it zero stars if I could. But you can't, so fuck off. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> One of the coolest things you ever did, which I thought was a real sort of challenge to this image-based society, was run London Marathon in your underwear. And I just need to hear about that. So cool. I was like, maybe, will there ever be a time I am not running this London <laughs> Marathon? I was like, will it ever end? Because it was like the hottest marathon on record. Yeah. yeah. And we be a good thing you were in your underwear for Well, it. it was. But we like, the worst thing was, it was so, we crossed the line at like exactly the same time as the Grenfell um, Tower firefighters who were in like full firefighting uniform plus oxygen tanks and me and my friend Jada Cesar who I did it with who was a plus size model were like mm, we haven't really got an excuse for doing it this slowly <laughs> um, but no but it was it was amazing also people were like oh and I was like you see the elites the elite women go off and they're always wearing those you know crop tops and things and no one bats an eyelid mm. and uh, it was quite funny because it, it was I, I just we had no idea it would it would kind of have the effect. I remember we went on Good Morning Britain like a couple of days before, but we got we raised so much money and it was so incredibly positive. And in fact, it launched something called Celebrate You, which we do now every year. I'm going to get you guys to get involved, and you can still sign up. Which is, it's a it's a run. You don't you don't have to wear your. Un I wasn't saying we've removed the underwear piece. And I'm like that doesn't mean you have to do it naked. <laughs> you can go commando, <laughs> but you can wear normal running gear. But um, 
it's about running for your head and your heart rather than for your waistline, you know, because exercise for me has been, as I know it has for you, it's been such a pivotal thing in helping my mental health. And the, um, you know, exercise for me was always about punishment. It was always about the losses. And when I realized it could be about the gains and it's about like the clarity it gives me and the time and the, you know, the space in my head, it completely transformed it. And, um, you know, people often say to me, like, what was your marathon time? And I'm like, what was your marathon time? And they're like, I haven't run one. I'm like, so fuck off. If I just say something, <laughs> honestly, Don't ask me. only like, tossers ask you how fast you ran yeah. your marathon. I've never known a nice person ask me that question. You know, it's about people are like, oh, I'm going to do it for this time. And actually just doing it is absolutely, utterly, yeah. just having a go. Yeah. My mum always says that, though. It's like, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Like, you're all doing the same distance. Like, we're all out here doing exactly and the same distance. You know, in a way, it's way harder for people like me. Like, it's all right, like, Kip Choggy or whatever. Like, it's fine for him. He's done in two hours, yada, yada, at home, got his feet up, you know, <laughs> having a nice massage. You on the TV. <laughs> had a nap. I'm still out there for another effing four hours. <laughs> I, and it is so transformative for, for my head. Yeah. So, um, and actually at the end of next month, I'm going to run 10 10Ks in 10 days <laughs> with, in different ways. So some I'll walk, jog, some, um, you know, with people of all different sort of body experiences as well um, to show that, you know, exercise is for everyone. It isn't just for people. Like also there's that thing that you have to be really good at exercise and quick, you know, and it's just, bullshit like when I was you know no one says to you oh you can't cook unless you've got a Michelin star mm. that would be nuts wouldn't it be so hungry yeah. you'd be so we'd all be starving <laughs> yeah. you know but um you know it's, it's, you don't have to be like it's not about being the strongest or the fastest for me which is just as well because I'm neither <laughs> <laughs> doing that marathon I mean you know in your underwear like that's you know, we do feel, in general, women feel a lot of shame around their body. And being in underwear in public, just standing, would already be just absolutely terrifying for most women. But to do it running as well, obviously adds an extra layer of, of yeah, I mean, it would just be like hell for so many people. And I'm wondering if that experience was, and I hate to use this term because it's it's cliche and, and so overused but did it feel empowering and did it change your body image at all it, it's so interesting because I am absolutely the kind of person who 15 10 15 years ago I would have sooner died than stand on a stage than do anything it's run a marathon in my underwear like are you kidding me you know, I was bulimic in my in my teens and twenties, and you know, hated my body. And but it was so interesting, like turning that energy and being like, I am so, like I, you know, people always go, oh, I wish I had your confidence, and I'm like, I don't have confidence. I think confidence is an absolute trick. You know, it's just, it's it's sort of it's a con really. I don't have confidence, but what I do have is an absolute. Um, desire to not hate on myself anymore I'm like this is such a waste of my time and it's sad and it's tragic and when I see people you know when I see women uh saying they can't wear something because it's you know it, they shouldn't wear you know you shouldn't wear a mini skirt over a certain age or I just want to scream you know not at them but at the you know the way that we you know, and until until recently, you know, this is a, this is incredible. You know, this campaign to have people of, 
you know, all shapes, sizes, you know, um, disabilities. It's, it's so important and it's so wonderful because it helps everybody. Yeah. You know, inclusivity helps everybody and so I you know I would say to anyone you don't have to go you know it's that thing you don't have to go and stand in your underwear on a street in London or you know don't don't stop yourself from doing things because you're worried what people will think of you because people are mostly thinking they're worried about your thinking about them that's the truth do you know what I mean yeah and actually, most people, if I saw somebody running a marathon in their underwear, I'd be like, that's the coolest fucking thing. And all I think is, I wish I could do that. You can, if you want. There's, there's a... <laughs> you know what, you did so well, honestly. But there's... You did, you did great, but, I'll leave that one to but, you. But genuinely, because we did celebrate you, which was a 10K, because marathon's like, it's a long way. You don't have to do that. But in 2019, we did a 10K through the streets of London. There was 1,000 women in their underwear. And... All of the people lining the road were just so supportive. There was not a single negative comment that I know of. Um, And, you know, people are, by and large, pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And I guess, like, I want to ask for the world, thinking if people are pretty awesome, I don't know. I feel like it's changing. Like you say with campaigns like this, with the work that you're doing, with the work that Al's doing, like the conversations that are being had are so exciting. And I do believe... I hope that for the next generation of women, it's going to be easier than it was for us because there is a light, right? So there will be less shame and that's what we have to hope for. But do you feel like that for your daughter? Do you feel excitement for her? You know, I am, what I am excited about is that she's feeling some anxiety at the moment, like a lot of people, and it's not kind of pathologizing it and not making her feel ashamed for feeling the anxiety, you know? And I think that's a... a uh, that excites me that we can just be and we can feel all the feelings without attaching any judgment to it. Do you know mm. what I mean? That, like, I think about how different my life would have been if there was, you know, mental health provision. I mean, there's still not a good mental health provision at all. So, but it, it, it's that's why I do what I do. It is for her. She doesn't have any knowledge. She's just like, what are you doing? What's your job? Why, why are you embarrassing me by running through London in your underwear? <laughs> She, I tried to explain alcoholism to her, right? Because she was like, What's, what does it mean that you're an alcoholic? And I was like, oh, how do I explain this in like helpful terms? And I was like, oh, I'm allergic to alcohol. So, you know, if I drank it, I'd go a bit crazy and run around naked. And she was like, but you do that anyway? <laughs> I was like, this has not helped you at all. <laughs> you know, yeah, she, but it's, it is, I, do, I am excited and I think things are getting, they're so much better, you know, There's, and I learn so much from younger people, you know, um, because, you know, the kind of boundaries and confidence that so many people have now in their 20s that I, I've taken, it's taken me until, you know, late 30s, early 40s to get there. Um, I think we're definitely, you know, there's, there's definitely progress, but there's a lot more progress still to be made. Talking about how, you know, vastly different your life is to what it was, especially, you know, how you wrote, um, how you wrote it in, in the wrong knickers. Did you ever think it would look like this? No. How did you see it looking? I don't think I saw it looking, but I didn't. Like, if you told me, sorry, it's a bit, if you told me, like, ten years ago that I would be, like, sitting here doing something like this, you know, um, that I would have, people would have bought books that I'd written, like, not just that I'd written books, that I bought them, but also that, and the thing that I think that blows my mind the most is that I don't drink anymore, you know, I'm sober. Mm. That 
completely blows my mind and it is and whenever I get a bit panicky about like what the future holds or where I'm gonna what I'm gonna do next I'm like you don't have to worry about what you're gonna do next because you have everything right now like everything is right now it is amazing you know and we're all so miraculous it really is like like I do this quite a lot so if you've heard it before I do apologize but like the chances of any of us existing is like one in 10 billion to the power of 2 million to the power of like you don't need biology lessons but like if my dad had said something to annoy my mum back in November 1979 and they clearly they're divorced now so he said a lot of annoying things <laughs> and like he had you know like 10 seconds later or earlier I would be a completely different person so like sperm so when it enters a woman's body because we're so clever as um we don't want any old sperm because there's like millions of sperm that our bodies start to release acids to kill the weak sperm die die <laughs> and then the, the remaining sperm has to like go on this journey up like it's like a sperm iron man but uphill you know how hard iron men are right that's like a marathon <laughs> sounds like a really bad it, yeah yeah and then and then and then and that's if there happens to be an egg there because as we know there's only you know one calendar day one day of the calendar month is there an egg and they have to like get through these membranes that are like the equivalent of me like punching through that door <laughs> and then they get to the fallopian tubes or the ovaries or like I'm so bad at biology and it's like do you want to go left or do you want to go right and then so half of the remaining ones will go right uh, uh, all those versions of you gone right gone they've made the wrong and then the ones that make the right journey, there's a, and there happens to be an egg there. They get to the egg, the sperm, the remaining sperm, the remaining versions of you. How many times are you going to say sperm? And the sperm, <laughs> and the sperm, and the, and the egg is surrounded by white blood cells that act like nightclub bouncers going, you ain't coming in, right? So, like, then for that sperm to fertilize that egg, and then, as we all know, for that, for, sorry, for that to then, you know, to go to term, because we don't, you know, lots of pregnancies end in miscarriage and stillbirth. And then, you know, the day you were born is the most dangerous, like many doctors say, is the most dangerous day of your life. And then every day until then, you've stayed alive until we are all in this room together. Like, we are all fucking miracles. <laughs> I feel like you deserve a clap. That was so good. There'll be a doctor I, going, actually, the mucus yeah, that they yeah, have yeah. to go through is not... But, you know, I don't know why I've given doctors that. But so it is like, oh, it's all here right now, guys. You know, it's all for the taking. Yeah. You know, it is really Strong miraculous. Strong visualisation as well. The red blood cells, nightclub bouncers. That's going to stay yeah, yeah, with yeah. me forever. Yeah. That's the next childhood book, the next children's book. Well, I've already... The reason I know this is because I wrote it into my, like, a book of advice for teenage girls. You got this. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. that. And you did another book as well, which is out now. No such thing as normal. Yes, which yeah. is like everything I've learned about being well that I could only have learned from being ill. Oh. Because it is all a journey, you know. So when I think about, when I think about, oh, how different my life would have been if this had existed. Well, it didn't. And I have had, you know, a side by side with severe mental illness, have had the most remarkable, wonderful, fun life, you know. And I think that's also important to say, like, it doesn't always look like, you know, it's not all sort of lying in your room, um, unable to get out of bed. There's a lot of that, but, you know, 
Uh, I always remember Stephen Fry saying that if he could get rid of bipolar, his bipolar, what, what would... And he's like, he wouldn't because it enriched his life in so many other ways. And I remember when I heard that, I was in a really bad, obsessive-compulsive place, and I was like, I would give anything to get yeah. rid of the obsessive-compulsive disorder. But it has taught me so much about myself. Mm. Um, and I can't get rid of it. You know, it's mm. part, it is part of me, and it's accepting all of the parts of you including the bad ones, because we're all a bit of... It's not the Marvel universe, like, more's the pity, but we don't have, like, good people and bad people. We're all a bit of a mix of everything, you know? And I think the sooner we all kind of realise that, the better. Mm. I think that's one of the most amazing things about about following you and knowing you and reading what you do. It's like there's a lot of forgiveness of, of the past versions of yourself and so and it feels like there's a lot of acceptance. And I think that's such a beautiful thing that you do portray to people is, like... It is okay. It is okay, you know. And and these things that you experience or you feel like you're alone with, you're not alone. But also, you can forgive yourself. Like I really feel like there's so much love in you for yourself. And I don't know if it feels like that all the time. But looking at you, it does feel like there's a lot of love in you, and that's very special. So, well, thanks. thanks. Well, <laughs> I feel a lot of love right now, and it's so nice to be like out of out of the house and reconnecting <laughs> with people because I, I feel like we have all, you know, the isolation that we've all had to do um, has been really bad for mental health, you mm. know, and, and, and I felt a bit, coming here today, I felt a bit like a kind of schoolgirl, like, oh no, will anyone like me? And I, you know, I still have all of that stuff, but it's all okay, you know, mm. doesn't, if people don't like me, they don't like me, but as long yeah. as I came here and I did the best job I could, that's yeah. all that matters. We really. love you. We do. I love you too. <laughs> I'd love to finish with um, a question that I always feel compelled to ask and don't really know why because I would hate to and do hate being asked this question myself um, because I don't think there's any short answer to it and I don't think there's any you know one thing to say but I will we'll just get to the question um, <laughs> if you could say something to anyone who's struggling right now with their mental health anyone who's perhaps partying a bit too hard to try and 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 you know just a bit of escapism and from their own minds just for you know even though it's a, a vicious cycle what would you say to them I you know and, I, and like I said I hate asking this question because there isn't just one thing that you could say but what would you feel is the most vital thing to get across to them um nothing you have done or thought in your life hasn't been done or thought by someone else somewhere in the history of time and you're not a freak um, and it's okay. And I think it's that thing of it's okay, it's going to be okay. You know, my head can, can catastrophize, you know, I can like spiral to very dark places. And um, that also the advice I would give is, is do the thing you think you can't. You know, there's no one quick there's no one thing I could say that can solve anyone's problems. Um, Sorry, I knew it was a shit question. No, it's not a shit... No, 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 it's not a shit question. But I, I, I think it's like, I don't know, like, it's okay. It's basically... And, but yeah. like, I hate that. That can seem so... It's okay, it's okay not to be but okay. And I'm I like... Think, and, yeah, but it's, but it's not. It feels horrible, mm. doesn't it? But I, I do think there's power in that. And I think there's, there's, there's power in saying to yourself as well, like, it's okay that I feel this, rather than trying to... 
I'm going to try and bat this off and shrug it away and, and get it far, as far away from me as possible because it's uncomfortable and I feel it makes me feel bad. I, I think there's power in being able to say, like, actually, it's okay that I feel this. Yeah. Like, it would be nice not to feel like this and let's try and work, work our way out of this, but it's okay to feel this. And I think that does give you a sense of, um, like, peace and and freedom, even though the bad feeling is still there. Is that making sense? It does, and it, and it kind of just gives you that little bit of space from it. Space, yeah, yeah. I think distance. that's, I really, I always, yeah, it's that, it, that t- totally that. Like, yeah. oh my God, the goblin in my head is telling me I'm a serial killing behedophile. This is awful. I would do anything not to feel this, but it's actually going, no, it's okay. It's okay. You're safe. You're okay. Yeah. I have a friend who's a therapist and she says, people always come and go, I will do anything not to feel like this again. And she says, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like, you have to, it's, you don't want to feel and just accept how you're feeling and what is yeah. that showing you about your life, you know? Um, but it's hard. And that's the thing. It's hard to feel the feelings. Yeah. Like, but we, I think we are programmed as well to... Uh, well, yeah, we don't want... It's uncomfortable. It's, well, it's this discomfort and we don't like being uncomfortable. So it's hard to say to yourself, I'm going to feel that extremely uncomfortable feeling. But I think there's a, a great power in doing so. And also I think if you think we're all brought up, I don't know about you, but when I was a little girl and I'd cry, my parents would be like, don't cry. Yeah. Or you'd get angry, they'd be like, don't be silly. Yeah. You know, so we, with all of that judgment. So, you know, I try yeah. and not say that. You know, I want to say, stop crying. And I'm like, no, let yeah. it all out. That's <laughs> actually a really good point. We're not taught to explore our emotions. And yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Do cry. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's all have a nice cry. Please do not tempt me. I will. I know, yeah. (laughs) It doesn't take me much. (laughs) If you want. Um, Bryony, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Just actually, uh, just a final thought just to finish it on, because I just think it's actually incredibly telling um, about the way that our minds work. You know, you said you're anxious before you came here today, and that blows my mind that... I just, I think this says a lot about me, but I think it also says a lot about how we behave on social media, because... I, I would look at you and be like, this woman has her shit together. She's so confident. She's this. I, I know, but I do. <laughs> and, um, and I think we do that with other people all the time, right? We look at other people and think nothing's going to phase them. And, and, and we put ourselves below them all the time. And actually, it's so wonderful to hear you be so honest about feeling all the feelings that you do because you're a wonderful human, but you are just a human at the end of the day. And I think... I, don't know. I had a bit. I had like honestly a mini, in so much as you can have a mini panic attack. But I was coming in here and I was coming up the stairs and I was like, I think I'm having a hot flush. But I was actually like, my heart rate was like off the scale. And but that's okay, you know. That is a yeah. again, it's talking about and it was just having a moment, having some water, you know, yeah. not having a coffee in a fag doesn't funny <laughs> enough help panic attacks. I've learned this to my, but um, yeah, and it's. It's nice to hear that you're surprised by that, but yeah, I'm a I'm a bull of anxious. Welcome to the stage, so are we. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think probably the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bryony, thank you. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much for having that me. It was wonderful. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Love that. Wasn't that lovely? It was really nice. <laughs> it was really good. I enjoyed the science lesson. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Literally didn't know half of that stuff, so. Well, that's firm. We do. I think we, we've got some work to do with your sexual education. I think I think this podcast is going to be good for it. I think we're going to learn some shit. I didn't know. I didn't know a third of that stuff. So yeah, <laughs> chaos. So this is just me came from my DMs. And I thought it was a really interesting one to talk about. So this woman said 
Is it just me who finds people who share their opinions constantly annoying? It's probably <gasps> my own issue, but I just can't bear it when someone constantly and forcefully shares their opinions. I don't mind when it's a few opinions every now and then, but particular people just always, always have to share theirs when no one asked. And it feels forceful and like they are saying it as if it is a fact. Is it just me? It's not just you. I, I do get that in real life. And I sometimes just think... We don't need to have an opinion. I sometimes think that on Instagram as well. With influencers, you you literally have... There is no excuse not to escape if someone annoys you. Escape, flee, yeah. get out of their page <laughs> and forget about forget it ever happened. I love having you here. But if I'm annoying you, like, yeah. for your good, go. Like, for, yeah, it's because, fine. But, yeah, it's really fine. You know when you're just in a really bad mood and then something, like, I don't know, something innocuous happens that's so annoying and it's not even annoying you know what I mean like yeah I don't know sometimes like the sound of Alex eating if I'm in a good mood completely doesn't bother me but if he's if I'm in a bad mood I'm oh like, my god the worst thing ever the worst thing I've ever heard so obviously <laughs> like when you're about if you're in a bad mood and then you go on Instagram and then there's somebody there it's like you're like oh god fuck this bitch so annoying even if what they're doing isn't technically annoying it's just annoying to you because you're in that headspace yeah we have to when we when we put content out we have to basically assume that there's like all these different people in all these different mental states and we're going to annoy some people yeah also i mean maybe i'm just defensive because i'm incredibly opinionated i do think if it's influences you're talking about like just yeah get off their page like to an extent it's extremely easy to control your your online environment right and mm. this is what like when people message me and say like oh I, I, li- I really like following you but i don't like this kind of content and i'm like okay, well, you've got two choices. You either don't follow yeah. me and don't have any of my content or you decide to like the bits that you do like and, you Take know, dismiss rest. dismiss what you don't like. But, yeah. you know, yeah. Because we I, can't win. Because particularly with, like, I mean, use uh, any conflict, any world event. If we, if we don't say anything, we get messages going, your silence is deafening. And, and we get a lot of shit for not speaking out. Then when we do yeah. speak out, we get shit for saying the wrong thing or saying this because because we can't possibly say something that's going to please everybody. Right. Um, and I do, I think it's really interesting, like this idea of, you know, like I think I can't remember the language that that person used, but it's like, you know, I, I hear it all the time and it's like someone's forcing it down your throat or like I just, you know, I, I find it's, I can't bear to listen. Like I just wish they'd shut up. And it's like, why do you feel this so so much anger towards this? But why do you need to control what they're doing when you can really easily just control either how you react to it or whether or not you even want to listen to it? Yeah, totally. Do you know what though? It's funny because for me, for online, like I feel like it never irritates me, like people's opinion, like it just doesn't. But I do find it prickly in real life when people forcefully share their opinions. And I do think that's, more of a well it's definitely a me problem Mm. um and it's definitely my own things but I have always found it I think because and I I'm definitely more opinionated as I've got older but I never used to be and I think I think a lot of this as well is rooted in misogyny I think and like Mm. women shouldn't really be opinionated like they should be quite easygoing and they shouldn't be difficult and so I think a lot of it is rooted in that and for some reason I've managed to I've managed to resolve that in like my online, you know, interactions. Mm. But then in real life, I do find it off-putting when someone is like really... Can you give me an example, like a context? So 
the way I always think of it is like the what I really liked about Dave is that he has well informed opinions about like politics but he doesn't feel the need to sort of talk about it you know and he mm. can let someone have their opinion about their politics without trying to impose his on them on them and I yeah. really like that and that's what I try and do as well but then I don't necessarily think that that's the right thing or the wrong thing do you know what I mean it's just for yeah. me that just feels better than someone being like well no actually because da, 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 da. I don't know it's it's my it's my own thing I'm sure of it it's I'm sure of it it's my own thing I think we are being like forced to have a lot of opinions though and we do you know like what did they used to say about like um was it like you should never talk about like sex politics or religion you know like I think like that's the kind of old school way of thinking it's like you don't at the dinner table you don't talk about sex politics or religion yeah. whereas now it's like me I'm like I'm like please I talk about sex politics and religion for a job like bring yeah. it on yeah. um so I think it's really like um it is hard now because and I think to an extent like obviously we can only speak in the context of ourselves but like we are even before I, I had to have a, an opinion for a job like I I've always, I've been really opinionated and probably, well, definitely ignorantly so. Like I, I have an opinion on something and I wouldn't really change my mind. I've learned now that changing my mind is like the most powerful yeah. and like brilliant thing. Like I think only idiots are, are resolutely, you know, not going to, ha- not open to having their minds changed. I'm like, don't be, don't be stupid. Like obviously, yeah. you know, we're learning all the time. I love changing my mind. Like I literally love being proved wrong yeah, now and changing my mind and evolving my thoughts. But that's really new because I would always mm. perceive that as a loss. And I think yeah. a big part of that is like being a woman as well because you want to be like a strong woman. You want to be right. You want to be strident. And and there's a lot of like, um, I don't know, like not shame, but like, you know, if you, if you get something wrong, it's like, it's like a sign of weakness for anybody it's a sign of weakness to have to be like oh I was actually wrong about that and and I actually think that's the biggest sign of strength but I but I do think that that is important that like shame we feel which I think is also cognitive dissonance and I I feel like I talk about this I've talked about this loads on the podcast which is very random but it is really interesting because I think cognitive dissonance which is like for anyone who doesn't know it's like it's like the feel the uncomfortable feeling you have when your beliefs don't match your behaviors cognitive you know I'm trying to be vegetarian now and it was because of cognitive dissonance like I felt uncomfortable Mm. about the fact that I was obsessed with animals but then I would also eat animals so there was like this discomfort and it's like how do I get over that so that so but but realizing that you've been wrong and that you've behaved wrong in the past, and now you've now got new beliefs that don't tie into that past behavior, makes you uncomfortable. And therefore, it feels easier to lean into those past behaviors and past beliefs and not go towards the new ones. And that's why we don't explore new opinions, new points of view, because it's easier, Mm. it's more comfortable, and it's more, you know, we don't like being uncomfortable. It it hurts, It's it's not very nice. So, and I do think that's one of the biggest things that I've like, worked on in the past few years and I still do I still do because I can feel myself like defensive about stuff and then I'm like hang on if I am if I have been wrong that's okay like you know I can look back without any judgment or shame Mm. but I can like move forward in you know doing better and like with a, a you know more informed point of view I don't know, that was probably a tangent. Instinctively, but. no, it makes sense. But I mean, we have gone on a tangent from the original thing, but it does make sense. Like instinctively, we do get defensive and like, and and particularly like if we're judging ourselves, you know, you, you lash out and you're like, oh God. And 
and and we do take things really personally so sometimes when somebody when I feel like somebody's forcing on an opinion on me they're actually not forcing an opinion on me they're just having an opinion that's different to mine and because I'm taking that personally what I I interpret that as them saying that I'm wrong and I get really like, well, you can't say that I'm wrong, blah, blah, blah. and then I, I, I get yeah. I get riled and my heckles go up and I feel the, like instinctively I want to fight back when I don't need to do this. I, I, I've learned that it's been a massive part of my coaching to let other people be wrong. <laughs> like I don't yeah. need to bring everybody way to, round to my way of thinking. And I also don't need everybody to think that I'm right all the time. Like for yeah. me, I'm like, I think this and I need you to think this too. And if you're not going to think this, I need you to know why I think this. And I need you to know that I'm a better person than you because I think this. Like, and that's not great, but like that's, those are the arguments that I'd be having. And that would be my, my way of thinking. I'm like, my morals say this and I'm right. And I need you to know that. And then, and then if you still think your thing, then you're a bad person. So I would get very defensive because I would always think that I was the better person. And now I'm like, I, I only have my perspective I'm probably wrong. I might not be wrong. They might be wrong, but that's not my problem. So I've like removed all of my ego from these conversations. And now I don't really feel the need to like, you know, like it's fight or flight, isn't it? You get like, totally. But it's it's so true. And learning the gray area. God, we should have called the podcast the gray area, honestly. I know, 100%. (laughs) Um, But like that gray area where you're like, maybe he's not wrong or she's not wrong and she's not right and I'm not wrong and I'm not right. Like maybe there is no right answer, but all we have is our own opinions. And like, because I think I'm guilty as well and have been of being like, my opinion is a fact. Like it is a fact. Other people Mm. agree with me that I respect. So I know it's a fact. And actually it's like- we're probably the people that that lady was complaining about. God, we are, like, aren't we? Oh my God, yeah, we really we're are. Yeah, really pushing our opinions <laughs> down. But I think you can't control, right, what what other people do. So if it's not, whatever the context is, actually, of this original message, whatever, if this, it probably isn't just you. Like, we all get annoyed by, and there are some people that just fucking know-it-alls, but you just have to weigh up, like like you said before, either, like, if it's, if it's your mother and she's just a real fucking know-it-all, either stop going to see her or just accept that's who she is and just tune it out. Yeah, yeah. Learn to, learn to just live with it. This yeah. person wasn't asking for advice, but... Oh my God, well... You're welcome for the, the therapy session you never asked for. <laughs> yeah. I'll send an invoice. I was going to say, also, I feel like I came across really badly because I feel like I reacted. Like, I feel like I actually, having just said, I never have my ego in. I feel like I actually fully have my ego in there. And I just like forced my opinion on this down that woman's throat, which I feel is really ironic. So I just want to say I'm sorry for that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel no. like I got very like, well, fuck off. No, no, no. <laughs> but... It- I mean, I, I I hadn't thought about it in the context of influencers, but if I had, I think I would have also felt defensive about it because yeah. that is annoying and something that we deal with all the fucking time. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you don't need to get your tiny violins out, but it is, it yeah. is, uh, yeah, an annoying part Exhausted. of But job. in real life, I actually really get it with that girl. Like the amount of like men that I'll hang out with that give me their opinion on something. Yeah. God. that's the thing like, why, that's the thing why are you telling me this why are you telling me this like and I sometimes I get so annoyed like I know certain people that I just I just avoid talking about anything with because I'm just like, oh. like there I is bothered with this. one man that I just caught because and his opinion is always fact and my opinion is always less than because I am a woman yeah. and and it's very very clear yeah. that that's the case and it drives yeah, me nuts I, I know some men like that and it's so jarring I'm like can you just stop yeah. assuming I'm a fucking idiot please yeah, yeah. like so I do um, from that if if I'd have come at this conversation from that context I'd have had a very different time because I do that does yeah. jar me but then I'm just like oh fuck off fuck off go yeah. start a podcast or something you know what I mean like, <laughs> yeah. we just love it so stop, much start journaling mate yeah 
<laughs> have you tried meditating? Uh, have you tried manifesting? Um, how funny. Right. So I was prompted to email in after listening to the story of the poor girl who had a condom left in her vagina and Alex's friend's tale of the stench coming through her jeans after the same thing happened, dot, dot, dot. Sadly, I have no man or condom to blame for my horrible experience. So I was in training for running the London Marathon for the first time. It was 2012, Olympic year in London, and I was full on inspired and smashing the training. Got to the week of the marathon and I started bleeding. I don't get regular periods as I have the coil fitted, so I just stuck a tampon on. Oh no, I stuck a tampon in and got on with my week. The week went on and I started to notice a revolting smell wafting around my crotch. I showered a lot, then thought it must be BV or thrush, so bought some cream and medication and hoped for the best. The aroma got worse and worse and I was absolutely distraught. Marathon day was arriving and I trotted off around London with a full-on foul stench emanating from my vagina mortified i cracked on miraculously ran a bloody decent race got to the hotel after race had a bath and did a finger swirl graphic up my fanny (laughs) to try and clean it out the run must have dislodged the tampons Ons. tampons tampons because i finished because i fished out not one but minging tampons I must have forgotten that they were up there to this day I haven't told a soul and I maintain that those tampons were the reason I ran a 3 hour 61 minute 22 second marathon pa ha 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 hope it made you smile Oh my god, oh bless her. Wait, so she I need for- to ask about the three hour, 61 minute marathon. Does that mean it was four hours and one minute? If so, I really like this technique. <laughs> three hours and 61. When I ran my ultra marathon, I did it in three hours, three hours and 31 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um, oh my god. So, 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 uh, so has she forgotten about both of them or just one of them? Both of them. This did happen to... One of my friends who will remain incredibly anonymous. I was gonna, I was gonna give her a rank, but I'm actually not gonna do that. It happened to one of my friends, and she had to go to, um, to hospital, to have oh, to have no. the, the the neglected one removed. Oh the same thing. The neglected I, one. I I just don't know. Like I don't know if my vagina. I don't know if my vagina's just not that big. I just don't. I'm not that I'm saying this person has a big vagina. I just I don't know. I just. I yeah, don't I'm know. always aware. Well, I think I, I am. I don't know how I could get another one up. I just don't know if there'd be space. I might try oh, putting two tampons up. Do you spaced, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I don't think there would be. Yeah, well, there must be. Unless it was like a little, a lit, a litlet, whatever they're, a lilet. You know, a litlet, the stupid word. But yeah, the imagine, mini ones. I could yeah. imagine, those are tiny, you know, I could imagine. Yeah, they're tiny. Fl- like, 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 a, like a meteorite just floating <laughs> <off>. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um so i don't know like i can imagine i can i can i can i can picture the scene but with you know sort of like a like a super tampax pearl you know i couldn't imagine losing one of those but who no. am i to judge no i can't imagine it either but it happens i might try and put two up and just <laughs> see what i've got don't next call from just you be jokes. like i'm in a and e put two pound tampons up and now they're stuck <laughs> oh no I know, I know myself well we've planted that seed that was such a mistake um, oh, god. oh my god 
Bless you. That's actually it's such a such a shame, but I also know. fucking impressive. I always think I always think of Bonita. You know that um, if you have missed the past episode, we interviewed Bonita Norris, who climbed Mount Everest on her period. And I just yes. think whenever women doing this cool shit while bleeding, I'm just like, there's no way. There's just no way. You know what no, I mean? Like that's... if men were bleeding out their fucking dicks, we'd know about it. We would so yeah, know. Yeah, but it'd be about like it. not only did yeah. did he do it, but he did it while bleeding. Whereas women, it's like. <laughs> tell no one this is your stinky dirty little secret you sordid bloody woman i just it's so annoying honestly i don't like girl anyway yeah i, I mean thank god it. she didn't get like toxic toxic shock syndrome but like i i honestly did anyone else just have the fear of fucking death put into them about toxic shock syndrome yeah and still like oh god, I, yeah. i'm too scared to sleep because they say what you're supposed to have a tampon in for eight hours and anything longer but like yeah. I just I'm like should I set an alarm in the middle of the night? Like what if I need to sleep for more than eight hours? What if I get drunk? What if it's Friday? What if I want to lie? What if I die? It's <laughs> put the fear of fucking death in me. Yeah, I was always scared about TSS, TSS. Yeah, TSS, like, oh, TSS. No, the signs. I'm like <laughs> terrifying. Okay. Um. So I've got another. Is it just me? Um. Is it just me, or is it really hard to be in a relationship with a naturally thin person? Weight is something that I've struggled with forever, and finally, in adulthood, I am working towards body acceptance. My partner is wonderful but is a naturally small thin human who could lay on the couch and eat whatever he wanted for five years and still have abs and never get a stomach ache in brackets infuriating so he has a very narrow inaccurate understanding of the struggle that so many of us go through with our bodies he is kind and considerate to all people but behind closed doors can say some pretty insulting things merely out of a total misconception of the person's situation my body has of course changed over the course of our four-year relationship I am and I am a bit larger now than I was back then so when he says negative things about other people in their way I have no choice but to assume he thinks the same of me or when I complain about my body and then say eat a cookie he says something about it I've tried to talk to him many times about this and he has made small changes but because he has never had to struggle in the same ways that so many of us have with our body image he just cannot understand these sort of situations and is not able to see how the things he says can be so harmful I'd be curious to know if anyone else has a similar experience and would love some guidance I have so much to say about this uh, on a serious note. Um, Alex is one of these, like, I think there's a science for it, isn't there? It's called, like, ectomorphs or endomorphs. And I'm an endomorph. Like, I... I'd be fine. Like if the apocalypse happens, I I could eat myself, you know, like my own fat supply for like weeks. I'd honestly, I'd be fine. Me and the cockroaches, I'd be absolutely <laughs> grand. Alex would be dead within a minute. Like he needs so much fuel to just yeah. keep going. Yeah. And I actually really noticed it when we both stopped. Um, so eating meat, like he, I, I live a plant based diet for the most part. Um, and he, we both, neither of us eat meat. Um, and when we first both sort of went vegan, uh, he went vegan originally and he lost so much weight. Like really? he lost loads and I gained loads because for me, um, on a, on a practical level, eating less protein, you know, protein's got less fat, a lot of more vegan food, you know, it's not necessarily a weight loss diet, whatever. And my body changed a lot. Also, I'm, you know, like I got around that time I was getting over 25 and that's when your metabolism slows down for a woman. So I, I gained weight and he was just losing it. And I was literally just like, I've, I've always, uh, less, I don't now, but I, I had always really struggled with that because my, my body's yo-yoed so much since we've been together. I've been bigger, I've been smaller. And I don't think he cares about me, you know, like how I look. I think he loves me regardless. But I completely understand uh, how how this person feels because it's so annoying because we've grown up, even with the, like, how many girls did you go to school with who'd always be like, I can just 
eat whatever I yeah. like. And yeah. I'm always like, fuck you! <laughs> like, because although I can eat what I like, you know, I always was taught that there'd be consequences for that, right? And like, yeah. and and so you, we were taught that we couldn't like let ourselves go and we couldn't like, you know, and and, 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 and that obviously led to so many of us prob- with disordered eating and binging tendencies and so much of it. And so it's instinctively so annoying when you can just watch. And I, and I watch Alex do it all the time. Like I have to plate him up because he trains a lot. You know, he does his Ironmans. And if he doesn't eat enough, it's actually dangerous. Like when he did his first Ironman, he got so thin, like... Yeah. He, he was like, I think he was like 2% body fat or something. And obviously Jesus. he looked amazing, but he was just like, he was cold and he was tired. And like, yeah. we have to feed him so much. And actually I never considered it from his side that it would be annoying from an exercise standpoint. You know, me, I can eat one meal and probably go to a Thursday. Whereas he has to eat like five, six, seven times a day and a lot yeah. of food. But if I'm leading it with my own feelings, I can take that personally I can be upset by it I can be annoyed by it because I'm like this is so unfair when actually it's horrible for him in a in a weird sort of way um because society says that men have to be big and butch and really macho macho because you know by the same stroke that we have to be small they have to be big and I think that's actually difficult and when he was at school he really tried to like bulk up and and he's had his own struggles with it but they're just so different to mine so like this girl sorry I just feel like I've just like hijacked this whole thing but like the person who sent this in I would take all of it so personally and and he couldn't understand it from my side because he'd spent his whole life trying to gain weight and when we got together I was 18 and unhappy and I just wanted to lose weight and and if we did the same diet, he would be like disappear within two days and I, and nothing would change for me. And it's so frustrating. So it's not just you. Sorry, I've just gone on for fucking ages about that. But yeah, it's no, it's definitely, you. it's definitely not just you at all. I think this is something that is true for, yeah, a lot, a lot of people. And also, you know, because, because like when we're, when we're babies, like we're born being intuitive eaters, right? we eat when we're hungry like we stop when we're full like basically kind of thing which is a very like reductive view of intuitive eating but you get the gist um and then men tend to because they get less interference with their diet from diet culture they tend to they tend to stay like intuitive eaters or at least a lot more so than women um that's you know because so many of us have disordered eating because of diet culture so it tends to be that actually like I used to think that my boy, my old, my ex-boyfriend could just eat what he wanted, and I was beyond jealous. And I think this is different to Alex because this, this guy actually Benny, I was calling call him by his name, but Benny, he ate like he ate probably kind of what I eat now, really, maybe a bit mm. less. Like I don't need the same portion size as him, but to me, because I was in, I was my eating was so disordered. And I ate so little, it seemed crazy to me that he could eat this amount. So if eating how you want to eat, like what works for you, what is, you know, getting your nutrition, nutrition dense foods in as well as like the stuff that you enjoy, that's non-nutrition dense. If you're doing all of that and you're ending up not being thin, then without any disordered eating, then you're probably at the right point for you. Like you're not supposed to be thin. And that's just, that is just genetics and DNA. And that is how our bodies are built. And it is so futile to fight that, even though we are taught like so strongly that that's what we should fight, but we shouldn't. And it's, so 
you know, and I know it's easy for me to sit here and say, just accept your body. I know that's so <laughs> annoying. But then I do think at a certain point you have to be like, well, I, I make a choice. I continue fighting against my reality, you know, and I can, for the rest of my life, I fight my reality or I accept my reality and, and, and we go from there and I have a much happier existence. But also in the context of like him. Yeah, sorry, I went off. No, you're right. But in the context of this specific thing, I think there's two things, you know, you said, at one point you said, I have no choice but to assume that he's talking about me. Right, yeah. I mean this with all love, but you do have a choice and he isn't talking about you. Yeah. He isn't. Like you say, you recognise it yourself. He's ignorant to what you're going through and he needs to listen and you do need to find, I think, a good way of communicating this to him and saying, this is really affecting me because. But on the other side of that, you have to remove yourself from you know you're, you're putting yourself here because it's like what we we're talking about before you instinctively get defensive and 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 you're feeling how you're feeling and I completely understand that but you therefore project your feelings onto him because that's completely normal and that's what human beings do but I think it's really important to recognize that he isn't talking about you he isn't thinking about you he's when he's doing what he's doing, he's just doing what he's doing. And it, and it isn't necessarily anything to do with you. Yeah. If he is, if he is saying shitty things to you about your body, then fuck this guy. But if he's saying shitty things, because he's just saying shitty things, you don't need to make them about you. And that's the first step. I still think you need to talk to him. And I still think you need to say, look, you're Definitely. being ignorant. Yeah. Here's some book, like here's some reading here's some literature here's a podcast here's some information and if you won't hear it from me then I want you to hear it from other voices because I am struggling with this and I say this to Alex sometimes too because sometimes he'll use language that I find difficult I'm like just stop just don't say this don't talk like this you know and and he can make jokes because he's in a very different position but he'll he'll make a joke about the wedge shred or he'll you know he'll grab his little tummy after he's eaten and he'll be like oh chub chub and I'm like stop it I, I don't yeah. find this funny. I don't find this helpful. Yeah. Because I look at you and you're a rake of a man. And it's... Well, not a rake. You know, he's got these muscles now. He looks lovely. And I look at that. And then I look at me. And I instinctively, because I lead with my ego, I think, well, if you think that about you, what do you think about me? If you think you're fat, what do you yeah. think I am? Yeah. Because I make it about me. He's not... This has nothing to do with me. Right. So I just have to catch him. And I'll be like, babe, we're, we're not talking like that. We're not doing yeah. that. Yeah. But I don't need to make what he's saying about me. Because I'm nowhere in his periphery. I'm the, I'm not the forefront of his mind, of his life all the time. Yeah. When he's looking at himself in the mirror and saying what he's saying to him in the mirror, that's between him and him. And I yeah. don't need to insert myself. If I don't want to listen to it, I can either say, I'm not going to listen to this, please, or please, can you change it? Yeah. And I think you do need to talk to him and try and, and try and lead him to some understanding. But on the... And... and uh, and accept that he's completely wide, completely different to you. He's grown up completely different to you. But also know that you don't need to make his comments about you. You don't need to take them personally, yeah. even if it feels personal. Even if he's looking at you and saying, well, don't eat this biscuit if you want to do this. He's not saying it because he doesn't think you should eat the biscuit. He's not saying it because he thinks you're fat. You know, women, we always have that like that silly trope that we do where it's like, I'll come into Alex and I'll say, oh my God, I think I look really ugly. Shall I get changed? And he'll go, oh yeah, well, do you want to get changed? And I'll go, oh my God, you're agreeing with me. You do <laughs> yeah, think I look ugly. Exactly. And it's like, 
yeah. I just laid the man a bear trap. Like, he doesn't yeah. think I look ugly. He's just trying to make ex- me happy. extremely practical. He's coming at you with, like, a solutions-based response. Like, you're telling me yeah. that you're you're complaining about your body. Like, I'm imagining, I'm imagining from what you're saying that you're saying that you think you're too, you're too big or you want to lose weight. So then when you go and eat a cookie, like, it's his practical brain going, well, then don't eat a cookie. You know, it's just very, very simple. And from someone who doesn't yeah. understand the emotional implications of, of this. So, but make lead him to some resources like can I do something that I'm really ashamed of myself for doing you're gonna plug your book I'm gonna plug my book yeah I know I know because only because I think what I wanted to do as well is is do a good job of laying out laying everything out to show everyone not just women but men how why we why we feel like this about our bodies that it's not a female it's not a woman thing it's not a female thing it's not something that's innate to us we're not born thinking I want to be thin (laughs) you know we're not born like struggling with our body like there is so much that goes behind it so okay not just my book you can obviously like other books too but but an anti-diet book or like something that's just going to explain to him like all the things that female like that women have faced and mm. you know be yeah I, I just think it would be really helpful helpful for him to then get an idea of what you you know you go through with your body basically I feel embarrassed now that I did a plug I'm, I'm no I, I'll do it I'll do it uh, it's available for pre-order <laughs> um now is it the link Thank in your you. bio yes link in my bio yeah <laughs> So yeah, Alf, but you're you're not a before picture, and and there's a lot of research, but I think it's and and a lot of uh, reading for him to do, but it has to be an open conversation, and I think that'll start when you stop instinctively kicking with defense with defensive. Yeah. Uh, if he is being an utter twat and he is actually actively talking about your body, yeah, in this way, but I, it doesn't sound like he is. Um, so I think the first step is okay, this isn't about me, this isn't about me, this isn't about me, and just keep, and I say that to myself all the time, like, this isn't about me, this isn't about me, this isn't about me, and from there you can have a much more rational and practical conversation without leading with your emotions, because often men just say, they're like, what? Why are you crying? Yeah. I don't understand, and then nothing good comes of it, because then you don't know why you're crying, and then everybody's, he's angry, you're crying, and, and everybody's confused. So... Yeah. <laughs> communication (laughs) if I write a book that's what I'm gonna call it (laughs) he's angry I'm crying and everyone's confused (laughs) (laughs) um Oh my God, well... We have well, run out of time, yes. You're, you're <laughs> um, late, you've got a meeting to go to. That, that was really interesting though, and I do think a lot of people will be able to relate to that, so... So, yeah. Yeah, I think as well, let's just say, with the... Um, it, we've got the email, if you ever want to send in stuff, we've got the Instagram account, which is a should I delete that Instagram account. Yes, you um, Where you can there. send in DMs, or you can send an email to should I delete that pod at gmail.com, and... It doesn't have to be, you know, always funny. Is it just me that whatever? If you if you do have stuff like this that you want Al and I to talk about, um, can't promise we'll say anything helpful, yeah. but we might try. Um, sorry, that jingling in the background is Boo scratching her little ears. But yes, anything about the podcast is just it's good. Yeah, it's good to have an open an open conversation. <laughs> Um, and next week's guest is fucking great, and we talk about sex and and, and yes, only fans. patriarchy and it's only brilliant. fans, and I can't wait for you all to hear it. And I'm so excited. So we will yes. see you next week, next Monday. Bye. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.